Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. That's really good, dude. I, I have the privilege to hear lots of music, you know, across the nation. Sometimes I can't wait to get up to preach. <laughs> Can we just keep that in this family right here? Yeah, this is just a small... You, don't, you understand what I'm saying? I'm just like, I just... I probably shouldn't say anymore. But anyway, he's just like, wow, man. I went to one church. Well, I'll tell you this. I went to one church, and I don't, it doesn't matter. Anyway, and pastor said, yeah, we've been... We've been really, you know, reaching out and doing some, like, new stuff. I was like, oh, okay. So I was excited. And um, so they started doing this song, and up on the screen, it said, you know, had the, the title and the name of the song, 1975. <laughs> 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 Brand new. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, wow. So anyway, I just, uh, this is just, uh, this is good. This is just really good, man. I could rock all night with it. So very, very, very good. So anyway. Is there anyone here tonight, just, just checking this out, and is there anyone here tonight with your left shoulder hurts? Anyone? Anyone? Why don't you stand up real quick? Just your left shoulder. Um, my, my shoulder's been hurting all day today, and so I've been asking the Lord. I went to the restroom, and the Lord said, well, just ask. So sometimes it's, it can be just a word of knowledge. And, and just, anyone else? Left shoulder, right here. Right here. Stand up. Just right here. She's just like, I was like, man. Um, all right, just put your hands on her. Just, just put your hands on her. Just put your hands. And I'm just going to pray right now. Holy Spirit, would you right now just release a healing and, like, take my pain away if this is a word of knowledge. We don't need to do jumping jacks or uh, pray a mantra. We just need to trust you right now that you are the healer. So, so heal my sister right now. Give her full mobility in that left arm. And, and my brother right over here, full mobility. If not right now, before they get out of here tonight. Um, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Yeah, try it out. Just seriously. Does it feel any better? You're not just saying that? Yeah. Well, I like that. Good, Carol. Yeah, well, that's fine. I don't, I just. No, we don't want twinges. We don't want twinges. No, okay. Hey, just, just one other, too. Um, anyone with a migraine? You, dude? Seriously? Seriously, come here. Because um, it's been trying to come on me. I don't get headaches. I don't get headaches. Jesus, come on, dude. Right now, touch, touch my brother. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. And just, if he's been fighting us all day, the fight is over. Right now, take, take all pain away. 
Lord, any, any pain that's coming down into the neck, into the shoulder area, God, around the temple, gone. Just take it away in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Um, you got your Bibles? Let's, let's, let's go to, let's go to uh, Galatians chapter 5. Um, I, I, uh, I love this chapter. The one thing about the Apostle Paul is you never scratch your head and wonder what he was saying. Um, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Chapter 5 of Galatians is just like that. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll land on verses 16 and following. But, but I love, I was looking at this even today, like verse 1, how it begins. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> We're free in Christ. Amen. Look at this. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And, and I believe the only way you become subject to a yoke of slavery is when you become contingent on the flesh and not remain in the spirit. In the context... I believe he's arguing for a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. In fact, he says as much in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, look at this, let us walk. The word walk in verse 25 is a military term that means to stay in step with. If you have the NIV, it would read keep in step, right? And, and so the idea is that if we live in the Spirit, then let us remain moment by moment in the spirit. Um, I threw a word out this morning and I was thinking about that. Um, I actually stole the idea from a man by the name of Alan Hirsch who wrote a book on the apostolic fivefold, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Alan Hirsch used to travel and he did some palcons for, for pastors in the church of the Nazarene and um, he talked about this and I don't, I don't know how well it went, but anyway, Alan Hirsch in his book talks about the fact that when you read the book of Acts, what you read is a people who functioned under pneumocracy. Now, now, that was the word he coined, pneumocracy, coming from the root word pneuma, which is spirit, and ocracy is a government. So pneumocracy could be literally translated as a people under the government of the spirit. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine moment by moment by moment by moment being governed by the Spirit? Isn't it awesome? Your life. See, that's a Spirit-led, Spirit-filled life. It's called pneumocracy. Well, he calls it that. Pneumocracy. Now, to, to push this, Hirsch says the book of Acts is a story of pneumocracy, but what has happened over the years, watch, we've gone from pneumocracy to bureaucracy. A government under the flesh. Isn't that, isn't that sobering? And, and so I think Paul didn't use that language here. He used the word pneumaticus, but, but, but I think what Paul's arguing for is a life that is completely filled with and led by the Spirit. And, and that would be pneumaticacy. That would be a life governed by the Spirit. So then flip over to verse 16. But I say, look at this, walk by the Spirit. Walk 
The word walk is, is, the, is, is, a, is a verb that means to carry out your lifestyle. We all know that, that, that the, the deal with the Christian experience is that we have to walk it out, right? If, if we're not walking this stuff out in Walmart, it's not real, right? It has to be more than a Sunday morning worship song or a Sunday morning message. It, it has to be walked out. It has to be walked out. It has to be lived out in the way we drive. Anyway, it has to be... We have becoming love on the back of my rig. That's the motto of our ministry. And I'm serious. Are you, does it have to be becoming love in something that is slow and not very mobile and people rush around me and, and they tell me I'm number one? Or 11. <laughs> like, what? Am I one or what am I? <laughs> but, but I want to drive in the Spirit. Everything I want to do. See, I'm walking this. This, this is what Paul is saying. Walk. And, and the preposition by is a, is a preposition of, it's a compelling preposition. So it would literally be this. Walk compelled by or led by or influenced by the Spirit. And again, imagine your life. Every single moment, if it was prompted by, led by the Holy Spirit. Imagine that. Listen, seriously. Imagine if none of us in this room ever talked until the Spirit gave us something to say. Wouldn't we all be better off? Jesus didn't. How do I know? John 12, verse 49 says, He only spoke as He heard the Father speak. Acts 2.4 says of the book of Acts, they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. See, Proverbs 10.19 says where words are many, sin is in the camp. So I think our words ought to be selective. I think they ought to be Spirit-prompted. Spirit-prompted words are life. Jesus in John 6.63 said, every word I speak is Spirit. I want to get to the place to every word I speak is Spirit. Seriously, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm on the longest fast I have ever been on my life, ever. I'm three, over three and a half years into this fast. It's not food. It's hard fasting food. I get hungry, but um, right? Although I fast every night from, from midnight until morning, and then I break breakfast. But anyway, that was... No, I'm seriously, I'm on a, I'm on a grumble fast. When I was pastoring, I told my church, I'm not going to grumble anymore. It's hard. It's really hard around. It's just hard. But, but I'm fasting grumbling because, because Jesus never grumbled. Israel was destroyed because they grumbled. 1 Corinthians 10.10 says they were destroyed by the destroyer for one reason. Why? They grumbled. I don't want to be destroyed by the enemy because I grumble. It's not speaking in the spirit. And so I want my life to be literally prompted by, check this out, check this out. Look, look, at, look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7. I love this. Look at 1 Corinthians, real quick, we'll come back to Galatians 5. So it's, it's an evening service, and pastor said we can go till about 11 tonight. Is that good? I'm just joking. Some of you 11 don't seem real impressed with that. All right, 1 Corinthians, look at this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But to each one of you is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Didn't that want to make you dance? Or Nazarenes. Listen, think about that. 
The Holy Spirit is given. The word given is a present tense verb that means to be bestowed upon without any limitation. Oh my gosh. So the Holy Spirit, and the word manifest means to express or to show off. So the Holy Spirit wants to show off through you every single moment of every single day. For what? For the common good. And the word common good is a, is a, is a verb that literally means to lift someone up and enable them to walk more efficiently. Isn't that wild? Now think about this. Everywhere you walk, walking by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to manifest through you to touch other people for the common good. Every one of you. So you can't say, well, not me. Yes, you. He wants to use every one of us. Isn't that wild? This dude went into Price Chopper. I don't know if you have him here. He's got his loaf of bread, some eggs. He turns around. There's a woman behind him with hearing aids. And he gets a prompting. He says, hey, honey, can I, can I pray for your ears? She goes, well, I guess. He goes, well, I mean now. She goes, well, okay. And he says, I don't mean to embarrass you, but would you mind taking your hearing aids out? And so she did. She took her hearing aids out. He set his bread and eggs down, and he turned around. And here's what he said. He said, in the name of Jesus, and the, as soon as he said the word Jesus, the name, her ears popped open. Right there in the store. Well, she wasn't quiet about it. She started saying, oh, my God, young man. Oh, my God, what did you do? Well, the woman behind the counter heard this, and she was checking out the groceries. She said, she says, could you do that to me? He goes, well, I don't know. What's wrong? She says, both my knees are blown out. She says, I'm in so much pain. He goes, well, let's just see. So he says, in the name of him, as soon as he said the name Jesus, the power of God hit her knees, and she started going like this, and she started making a scene. Oh my God, who are you? He says, I just, I'm just a guy that believes the Holy Spirit wants to do crazy things through me. She gets on the intercom. We've got a guy on aisle five that believes the Holy Spirit can do some crazy things through him. If you need a miracle, come to aisle five. Ten people came. All of them were healed and eight of them got born again. In a price chopper's. I think that's just normal Christianity. I was at Speedway. I was getting gas, and this woman was in front of me, and she had a, she had a knee brace on. And I'm just, I look at her, and I feel a prompting. And I go over and say, hey, honey, what happened to your knee? And she's, she, you know, she, all this like MCL, ACL, STP, all this, all this, she was telling me what was wrong. I was like, oh, man, wow. Can, can I pray for you? She goes, oh, that would be nice. So <laughs> I took her hand. And I said, Jesus, could you come right now and heal this woman, touch her? The power of God hit her. And it, it hit her. It scared me because she started going, wow, Jesus, wow. And I backed away. I was like, oh, my God, you're scaring me, lady. And I don't get scared, right? And she's screaming, wow, thank you, Jesus. And then I turn around. There's this dude with, a, with a, like a collar on sitting in the back seat. And his buddy's getting gas. And he looks at me like this. And he goes, do your thing. <laughs> it's just crazy. Life in the spirit. It's just not boring. It's not boring, man. Walmart is an adventure. Seriously, my wife call it wall ministry. We do. See, look, here's the deal. You guys, watch this. The moment you step across the threshold into that store, you've changed the odds as to what can happen. Why? 
Because you're an instrument for the divine flow to manifest himself for the common good of people around you. It's not for you. It's not for you to show off. In fact, it's not even about you. You're just the instrument that he flows through to show himself off. Right? Isn't that wild? See, he wants to use every single one of us in remarkable ways. Just like he wants to manifest through us. He wants to show himself off. Oh, that's exciting. Isn't that wild? Airports, airplanes, hotel lobbies, just everywhere you go. I was in a hotel lobby in Las Vegas doing ministry there. And, and just I ministered to this dude that was a football player. God touched his knees. I was in Arkansas, and I prayed for a woman who had lower back pain. She was wiping off the tables, and I called her over. What's your name? She said, my name is Stephanie. I said, Stephanie, I could be wrong. Just tell me. But do you have back pain? She goes, oh, my God, yeah. Well, let's just pray for your back. The power of God touched her right there. I was in another hotel lobby with, with Corey Jones eating breakfast, and I, I started ministering to this, this woman that was there, you know, getting the breakfast ready. Long story short, that night, she brought her family her husband, actually, to the service that we were in. He got born again. The next night, they brought two other family members. They got born again. The next night, they brought more family, and they had like this family revival up front. They're all hugging each other. It's just normal Christianity, guys. Holy Spirit wants to use us. Every, listen, everywhere you go, he wants to flow through you. Graham Cook said no one should be safe around the Spirit-filled believer. You guys are dangerous. Right? We should be. But see, if we, if we live aware of whose we are and what we carry, then, right? You remember in John 1, 32 and 33, the, the Spirit comes, and, and John sees the Spirit kind of come on Jesus, and it fell on Jesus like a what? like a dove, and it says it remained there. Now, I don't believe Jesus walked around with a bird on his shoulder, but I, I like the analogy. Imagine everywhere Jesus goes, there's a dove resting on his shoulder. Isn't that wild? My wife and I had a, had a talking parakeet when we lived in Kansas City. It talked all the time, and, and it was always out of the cage, never out of the house, but it would sit on her shoulders and just chirp and talk and say various things, and so we're doing a cookout. And I'm getting the grill ready, and she comes outside with the tray of meat, and I turn around, and we named the bird Phineas F. Brzee. I No disrespect to the founding father of the Church of Nazarene. He couldn't say Phineas. He couldn't say that. But anyway, um, she walks outside, and I look, and Phineas is on her shoulder. And I go, Cindy, Phineas is on your shoulder. Here's what she did. She set the meat down on the picnic table, and she goes like this. She walks back in going like this, see? Every move she made was made with the bird in mind. How would you live if you live consciously aware of the presence of the Spirit that you carry every day? Listen, I, I was thinking during worship, and, and, and again, dude, it was just straight up. I love it. I love the worship here. But I feel like sometimes a lot of our Nazarene churches gets right to the edge of flowing in the power of the Spirit, and then they back away. I really feel that a lot of Nazarene churches just come right up to the edge 
And I don't know what it is. I, I'm, I'm, I've been asking, is it, is it fear of being labeled as Pentecostal or charismatic or, or being fearful that we're going to get weird? I mean, what, what is it? I mean, I understand. God wants fruit, not nuts. I get it. I understand. I understand that. But what is it? That there's a lot of churches that get right to the edge and then they, they kind of back away. Wouldn't it be something? Seriously, I was thinking this. Darcy, during worship, I was thinking, wouldn't it be something if these few days that we have together were the days that the remnant of this church just went all in? Only need two or three. Jesus must have known it would be small. Just two or three to agree, and it's over. It's all you need. It's just right here, this remnant right here is enough to literally bring transformation to Muncie, Indiana. Right here. You don't, you don't need a house full. Think kingdom. See, in the natural, we think, man, I need a big church to make an influence. Not true. Not in the kingdom. Jesus said in Mark 4, you just need a mustard seed. You need, it's, it's in the kingdom. It's not size. It's influence. It's not about how big we are. It's about how influential we are. And the influence comes through the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit blowing through us moment by moment by moment by moment. And the Spirit of the living God wants to use every one of us as instruments everywhere we go just to... I mean, what did Jesus say? I, I say this and people look at me like... But Jesus literally said, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead. I, people say, well, that just... I've never seen that. But, what, but does that mean it's not real? In fact, he, I really think if we'll start taking the risk, if we don't take the risk in public, how are we ever going to see these kinds of things? Just go for it. I was walking out of a library in Columbus, Ohio. That's our home base. I was walking out of the library. I told the Holy Spirit a few years ago, whatever you ask me to do, I'll obey no matter what it is. That's a scary thing to say. I dare you guys to do that. Just say, Holy Spirit, whatever you say, I'll do it. You told me you're doing that. In fact, the next time you go to Walmart or to Meyer, put the car in park and say, Holy Spirit, I dare you to use me. <laughs> Could you guys try that? I dare you to use me. Do that and then come back tomorrow night and let's share stories. Because he will use you. Right? He will use you. He wants to use us. He wants to operate through us in extraordinary ways. Anyway, I was telling a story. What was the story? I forget what it was. Anyone remember? It had better. What's that? Yeah. So I was coming out. Thanks. Yeah, that's awesome. I was coming out of a library in Columbus, Ohio, and I just told the Lord, I'm, I'm all in, dude. Whatever. I'm in, in. Here I am. And so I, I'm coming out of the library, and Holy Spirit says, go speak to these guys. There's this, this big black guy, big white guy. I mean big. Look at me. Anyway, they're big. Er, and they're out there smoking a cigarette. And Holy Spirit says, go minister to them. And I go, what do you want me to say? He says, I'll tell you when you get there. <laughs> Whoa, come on. My heart's pounding. I'm like, oh, God, what is this crazy? So I'm walking over to these dudes, and they're just looking at me, right? I'm walking over to them like this, and I get right up to them. And I go, hey, Holy Spirit wants me to minister to you guys. And as soon as I said that, he started giving me a download, 
And I started speaking right into these guys, just, just sharing things that only God knew about them into them. You know, it's just like Jesus did in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. Hey, go get your husband. I don't have one. Yeah, I know. You got five, right? And, and so he's just like red or male. And I'm just reading her mail. And then I get all done. I pray with them. And I take $20 out of my wallet and give it to each of them. I say, this is from Jesus. He wants to buy your lunch today. And I walk away. That's all I did. People say, well, now, did you, did you share the gospel? I, I think I was the gospel. And can you imagine them going home and say, you should have seen this little white dude. <laughs> <laughs> try to explain what took place in front of a library. It's just crazy. It's just everywhere we go, everywhere we go, spirit wants to manifest through you. It's normal Christianity. Are you guys with me tonight? It's normal Christianity. It's normal Christianity. Cry out privately, take risks publicly. Just go for it. Buy people's groceries. Pray for someone with crutches. Just go for it. I have people say to me, well, what if I pray for someone at Meyer and they don't get healed? What if you pray for someone at Meyer and they do get healed? Right? Why do we always think in the negative? Why don't we turn that around and say, let's just go for it. Let's just go for it. Come on, let's just go for it. Anyway, so Galatians 5 kind of got off track. We all okay? We good? So look at this. So I say, walk by, compelled by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. Look at this. Then he sets up a contrast. That's, that's, a, that's a common way in the Scriptures to teach is to show a contrast. And that's what he does in verse 17. Look at this. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And look at this. They are in opposition to one another. How many of you know that the spirit and the flesh are in opposition? Right? They're in opposition to one another. And, and so what? look at this. And you do not do the things that you please. So there's, there's, like, this, there's like this tension. Um. I, I, I was going to, I've been debating whether to show this to you or not, but anyway, I, this is a million dollar illustration. I love this. I, I, I wouldn't take a million dollars for it. Maybe. Anyway, so check this out. C can I use you, dude? Yeah, man. Could you come up here real quick? And No, dude, I promise you, you won't. You're bigger than me. You would hurt me. So here, just take that right there. Just I take know that. I get hurt easy. Go, go over there. <laughs> and, and come here, bud. Come here. Come here real quick. Yeah. Yeah, we can just pray for you, dude. That's it. Here, just grab that in right there. So, so, so I, was, I was teaching one place, and, and, and I'm, in my mind, like visual. I learn visually. like, And so I had this picture come to my mind. Back up just a little bit. There you go. It's perfect. Back up just. So let this stretchy band represent flesh, and let this stretchy band represent the spirit. And so in my mind, I think this is what Paul is saying. The flesh and the spirit are in opposition to one another. And, and so watch this. I could only go so far in the spirit because the flesh, the tension of the flesh pulls me back. 
But, but I'm not going to go all the way because I still have the Spirit operative in my life. And, and so I'm going to go after the Spirit. But, but I can only go so far with the Spirit because the flesh keeps pulling me back. And, and this is what Paul is saying in verse 17. These are, look at this. These are in opposition to one another. So there's this there's vacillation. Now watch this. This is where I said today... American Christianity is. It's in the middle. It's, it's this mediocrity. We're not as bad as we used to be, but we're not as good as we could be. We're, James has a name for this. James has a name for this. And, and it's, it's called, I think that's me, dude. I'll have to fix this thing. So now watch this. He calls it a double minded. You know the word double-minded, it comes from the word, two, it's actually two-faced. Isn't that wild? Like a two-faced believer. It's like, okay, I'm going after the Spirit. No. And I'm going after this. No. And, and like, oh, pastor, we're going to pray and fast. We're going to be there. And then, and it's like, I, I've been a pastor for 30 years, man. I, people would testify, I'm going to win my city for Jesus. Six months later, he didn't see him. And, and, I, and we, I think a lot of it had to do with this right here, is the tension of the flesh. And they wanted to walk in the Spirit, but see, they vacillated back and forth. And you guys know this. You, you know Old Testament history. Israel could never get free of this. That was the Old Covenant. It took the New Covenant to deal with the internal tension of sin. Right? Right? Like, for example, Ezekiel 30, huh, 37, verse 36. Ezekiel prophesied of a time that would come when God would give mankind a new heart and give them a new spirit. For what reason? So they could walk in the statutes of God. Or Jeremiah 31, verse 31 and 33. Jeremiah said, there's coming a day when I'll put the covenant where? On the heart. See, because Israel... Psalm 106, verse 20, it says, Israel exchanged their glory for what? An ox that eats grass. Why did they do that? Because Israel came out of Egypt, but Egypt did not come out of them. See what I'm saying? And so they were drawn back to the very thing that they confessed. And true deliverance can never come until there's an internal heart cleansing whereby the Holy Spirit deals with the root cause of sin. And that's called the proclivity. That's called the propensity of sin. It's the nature of sin. Jesus did not die on the cross to forgive sins. Because he forgave sin before going to the cross. Then why did he die on the cross? To destroy the power of sin. Isn't that, see, that ought to make us jump and run around here. Right? Because the death and the resurrection of Jesus was the obliteration of the sin carnal nature that rids us clean or free from all of its proclivity. So, so you see what I'm saying? Amen. 
Now, listen, what I'm teaching tonight, you're not going to hear too many people on the radio and TV teach. I'm, and I love, I love to listen to people. I do. I, I don't ever mention anyone in a negative manner. That's not how I roll. But I'm just telling you, this message is rarely taught. See, we teach that we have to kind of just get more of God so we have less of sin. What kind of teaching is that? In fact, if you don't, you don't mind, just stand there. Watch this. Look at the Word. I'm just going to read the Word. Ready? Look at this. Verse 19. <laughs> don't let go, dude. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> that may be the flesh wanting you to do that. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know. I can. Hey. We're going to get. Hey. We're, we're going to get them sanctified tonight. So. All right, here we go. Now watch this, verse 19. Watch this. The deeds of the flesh are evident. Look, look, look at verse 19. The deeds of the flesh are evident. In other words, the deeds of the flesh will manifest. If a person is in this condition, it doesn't matter how much of God they want As long as flesh is still resident, flesh is going to manifest. Dennis Kenlaw, when he was president in Asbury, had a speaker come, and the speaker held up a glass of water, had someone come forward to shake the person's arm. They shook the person's arm violently, and then he asked, what made water spill out? They said, because I shook your arm. He goes, "Uh uh-uh. Listen to the question. What made water spill out? They thought for a moment, and they said, because water was in the glass. He said, precisely, what spills from the container is never determined by the shaking. What spills from the container is determined by the contents. See, if you're shaken, bumped, agitated, squeezed, and things come out, that has nothing to do with how you're treated. It has everything to do with what's in you. Yeah, I know. Let that sink in, gang. Come on. See, yeah, it is. It really is. And so flesh will always manifest. And I don't need to go through all this stuff. You you guys, you've been through all this. But look, immorality. You know what I was reading the other day? Um, Don't tell anyone, but I get Charisma magazine. But anyway, in Charisma, they had a whole list of new stats from George Barna. The, The pornography industry in America grosses more in revenue than ABC, NBC, CBS, and every major sport like NFL, the Major League Baseball, all that put together. All of it. The pornography industry. Immorality is an epidemic. And it just is. 50% of pastors are wrapped up into pornography. 67% of men still battle it. I can't break the addiction. Yes, you can. It's flesh. It's the fruit of the flesh. It's the deeds. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger. Someone come up to me after the service one time, and they were mad. They said, you just don't understand. They said, I'm just an Italian, and we just yell all the time. I go, I'm a short Irish. What, what, What are you trying to tell me? 
we got just as much of a temper, dude, and it needs to be under the blood. I, I don't know what to tell you. He was a little angry with me. Disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. Anyway, so those are deeds of the flesh. Now, so what has to happen? Now, you know this. You know this. But in our culture, predominantly, and even within the church of the Nazarene, it's taught that what you have to do with the flesh is just push it down. It's called suppression. Push it down. Get more of God, less of flesh. I hear that. God, I want more of you, less of me. It's not in the scriptures. And you can't use John the Baptist because that was a transitional phrase when he said that. I decrease so that Christ may increase. That, that's not, he's not talking about flesh. You can't stuff flesh down. You can't grow into walking in the Spirit. One day, someday, I'll get there. See, that you can't, you can't tolerate flesh. What you tolerate will dominate. So listen to what Paul says. Look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? Crucified. The word crucify is a violent term to means to impale, to destroy, to kill, or listen, to render ineffective. So what do you got to do with flesh? I'm going to let go. <laughs> you got to crucify it. Thank you, dude. You can sit down. That's awesome. Thanks for not letting go. Yeah, I'll give you five bucks. <laughs> now watch. Now I don't have flesh. The proclivity, the propensity, the, the pull to the flesh has now been crucified, leaving one thing. See, now I'm free to walk in the Spirit. It is for freedom. Christ has set you free. Do Stand firm in that. Don't be yoked to slavery anymore. Well, if flesh has been crucified, how could we ever go back into it? Because flesh can have a resurrection. Right? There can always be a resurrection of what was crucified. But once it's been crucified and your back has been turned to it, don't go back anymore. Listen, people talk about living a life where they die every day. That's not truly biblical. Romans chapter 6 says, I died once, now I walk in the newness of Christ. As holiness people, we die, but now we walk. I don't live constantly on this side of the cross. I live on this side of the cross. Flesh has been crucified, now I'm free to walk in the newness of life with Christ Jesus. In the freedom of the Spirit. Isn't that wild? Now what happens if I stumble? Well, I get right back up and keep walking with Him. I'm not going to return to the past. And if the enemy reminds me what's back there, looks, that's dead. I like to say, a lot of times believers who want to talk about their past sin... You're spiritually necromancing. You're talking to the dead. I'm not going back there. That's dead, man. My old life is crucified. It's in the ground. I'm not going to return to it. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Anyway, that's what he's talking about. A life compelled completely. So now watch this. If, if, if all of this is crucified and severed, 
then every day becomes a life where we're compelled by, led by, influenced by the Spirit. What does that look like? Look what he says, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit. I love this. This describes everyone in here. Love. Joy. Oh, I love that. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Gentleness. Faithfulness. Self-control. That describes everyone in here, right? S.D. Gordon actually influenced one of our scholars by the name of uh, W.T. Perkheiser. Perkheiser said, there's only one fruit of the Spirit. Just one. Just one. And and he he derived that from S.D. Gordon who said, the word fruit, karpos, is a singular noun. It's not fruits. I know this screws up a lot like a a nine-week series for pastors, but... It's, it's, it's fruit, singular, fruit of the Spirit. So how do you know if you're walking in the Spirit? There's got to be evidence of that. I mean, outside of laying hands on people and casting out demons and cleansing lepers, that's all part of it. But, but beyond that, what is the fruit of walking in the Spirit? And Perkheiser says it's love. The fruit of the Spirit is, look at this, love. Well, then what are these other eight characteristics? He said those are characteristics of a person who walks in love. Oh, that's phenomenal. Think about the the emphasis in the New Testament to become people of love. Jesus said in John 13, 32, everyone will know you are my disciples if what? If you love. So the distinguishing characteristic of being a disciple of Jesus is being a Nazarene. No. The distinguishing characteristic of being a disciple of Jesus is that we walk in love. Wow. Because love most identifies to God. Oh, check this out. Look look at Ephesians chapter (laughs) 5. I love this. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Look at this. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Ready? Ephesians 5. How's your headache, dude? Is it any better at all? Okay. I want 100%. I really mean that, Pally. Yeah, I really mean that. 100%. Yeah, amen. All right. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators. Imitators of God. Imitators of God. (laughs) Holy, imitate God. The word imitate comes from the word mimeotes. We get the word mimeograph. Do you guys remember the mimeograph machines in school? It, it just tells my age. <laughs> She's like, no, I don't remember you there, old dude. Okay, mimeograph. Mimeograph was a round cylinder like this. It would spin, and it would go like this. And it would spit out these copies with blue ink, and it would always be wet. And it always smelled real good. And when it came math time, I would always in grade school go... Arithmetic. I was ready for it now. <laughs> I got high smelling that stuff, man. Nobody ever knew that stuff was lethal. I'm like, oh. Anyway, there's a mimeograph machine. It was the first of its kind. And a mimeograph 
or mimeotes, this word, is defined as this, to make a copy of the original. Now watch this. Every one of us in here are to be a copy of the original. Now this is what the word teach. I'm not making this up, gang. I'm not smart enough to make this up. Now check this out. Every one of us in this room are to imitate God. We're to be a copy of the original. So I'm to look at this dude right here and say, there's God. No, here he is. No, there he is. No, right here he is right here. No, there he is. No, right there. Oh my gosh, you guys look so much like him. You are godly. I can't tell the difference between the copy and the original because you're so much like him. Well, see, that sounds ludicrous. How do we copy God? Paul says, verse 2, ready? Walk in because love is God. So as you walk in love, then you're literally walking in the Spirit. And if you're walking in the Spirit, you're walking in love. Wow. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it's, just, it's all through the Scriptures. I could read verse after verse after verse. It's just so good about the idea of love. Now, the question is, is what is love? Right? What is love? Because you guys know this. There's four different words in the New Testament for love. Actually, actually, uh, yeah. There's eros, stergo, phileo, and all of those are self-generated types of love. Eros is where we get the word erotic. In fact, eros is not in the New Testament. Eros is this erotic type of self-centered love, but it, it never shows up in the Scriptures. Phileo is like an affection. Like I have affection, like I, I have feelings for you, affection. Stergo is, is one time in the Scripture. It's like a family love, 2 Timothy chapter. I, it's, it's in 2 Timothy. And, and, but the one used most frequently is agape. You, you heard that, right? A-G-A-P-E, agape. So I was studying this a few years ago. I was like, what does agape mean? Because, you know, most people define it as sacrificial. And so, anyway, um, I came across this definition by a, a, a dude by the name of Rick Renner. You ever heard that name, Rick Renner? Anything you can get from Rick Renner, the guy is just beastly in the New Testament language. He has three different degrees, but he brings it down on the bottom shelf. So he has this book called Sparkling Gems in the Greek. And that's, it's, it's a book, it's a devotional, where he takes a word. He's a word nerd, and he just tears it apart. Anyway, this is how he defines agape. Watch this. He says, agape isn't looking for what it can get, but what it can give. So that's the first part of it. Now think about that. Agape never looks for what it can get. If anyone is in it for what they can get, they're not operating in agape. It's all of the one who is loved is so deep that it is compelled to shower love upon that person regardless of the response. He continues. When you love, and I remember reading this. When I read this the first time, I got angry. I did. I remember I stood up from my desk and I was like, oh. You know why? Because it convicted me. Watch this. When you love with this kind of love, ready? It is impossible for you to feel hurt or let down by the response of the recipients of your love because it makes you unoffendable. You can't get offended. 
gosh. It's, it's a God, but you can't get offended. You can't, you can't ever get offended. How many people in our culture are offended? You can't even wear like t-shirts. Don't call me that. Don't say that. Don't. It's like, good night. Shut up. Really? Oh, that wasn't very loving. It's just like it's everywhere. I told you this morning, John Bevere in his book, Beta Satan, said the number one reason why people leave churches is because they're offended. People go to churches and they shop like they shop shoes. If I don't like that, I don't like this. Like, are you serious? We've made church about what we can get out of it. We've made church, see, and then we get offended. You know, there's, there's people leave churches like, like this one church I went to. They changed the Sunday school around. They, they moved the chairs around to get more people in. And the woman said, I've been teaching that class for 45 years. Okay, we're just trying to get more in the class. She got mad and quit teaching. I'm mean, like, are you serious? You know what that is? That means you're offended, which means you're walking in the flesh, which means you're not walking in the spirit. It's just what it is. If you get offended, you can't live that way. Yes, you can. Jesus did. Can you imagine Jesus getting offended? Can you imagine Jesus on the, on, he's got the cross. He's walking and they're, they're spitting on him and all of a sudden, imagine Jesus stopping, looking around, throwing the cross on the ground. Barabbas! You guys wanted Barabbas, you bunch of rascals. Man, I healed you, I fed you. You wanted Barabbas? Oh, he wouldn't do that. I know, he forgave those who were persecuting him. They don't know what they're doing. That's agape love. It doesn't get offended. All through the scriptures, you beat them, and what do they do? Rejoice because they were. See, it's hard because people are going to hurt you, but you don't have to get trapped in the offense. Agape love does not get trapped. That's what the word offense means. You know what offense is? It's a fence. An offense is a fence. So it's a rift between Darcy and me, and now there's a fence. And so I'll look at her, and, and, and I'll put on the religiosity. Hi, Darcy. Great to see you today. Bless you, honey. But walk in love. I was in Hereford, Texas. You guys ever been to Hereford? Yeah, it is. It's awesome. Hereford, Texas is the beef capital of the nation. It provides close to 25% of the beef for our nation. Oh, and it smells like it too. I've been there five times for meetings. I'm not kidding you. Listen, kids, I, it is unbelievable. It is in the air. It is. I, like the first time I went there, I was like... And Ted... Uh, Taylor, the pastor, took Bob Huffaker's place. Ted said, do you know what that smell is? And I go, yeah. He goes, that's the smell of money. And I go, dude, no, I've smelled money. It doesn't smell like that. <laughs> you see that? You and I are trained differently. And anyway, it's like crazy. Two and a half million beef go through that little city in a year. It's just crazy. Anyway, so I've been there five times. I've had, I've had great times there, right? And I was preaching, and I, I get done. And I'm going from there to Amarillo. It's about an hour and a half drive. And so when I leave Hereford, Nazarene, I'm walking out, and this dude shakes my hand, puts $100 in it. He goes, hey, bless you. 
I look at my hand and I go, I am blessed. Stuck it in my pocket. Well, I go to Amarillo. And I'm sitting in Amarillo with the pastor and his wife at this restaurant eating steak. What else would you eat in Texas? And so the waitress is treating us horrible. Horrible. Have you ever been in a restaurant where you're just mistreated? Food's wrong, meal's wrong, everything's wrong. It's just, and, and, and to top it all off, she's hostile with us, belligerent. I'm sitting there, and Holy Spirit starts speaking to me. He says, hey, Rob. He says, you know that $100 you got in your pocket? I was like, oh, I know where he's going with this. I said, God, I got a 20 in my wallet. <laughs> He was not interested. Now, see, seriously, I'm not doing this. I'm just telling you I carry money in my wallet and give it away. This is me. This is me. Don't have to emulate this. I'm just telling you I travel all over the nation with money, and, and, and the worse I'm treated, the more I tip. I was in a church one time, and a waiter said, hey, I'm going to work here this afternoon. Why don't you come see me, and I'm going to treat you nasty. <laughs> I said, didn't work that way, pal. <laughs> anyway, give her that $100 bill. Sure. So at the end of the meal, I call her over to the table. She stands there, and I, her name is Susan. And I, uh, I said, hey, can I have your hand? And I put a $100 bill in it, and I said, hey, I just want to bless you. Just, just want to bless you. She started to cry. Just broke out in tears. She says, you would not believe the day that I'm having. I thought, yeah, I would. <laughs> I really would. Anyway, I didn't say that. I stood up and just appropriately hugged her. Now watch. In that moment, the atmosphere changed. Because love is the foundation upon which the supernatural can manifest. Do you see what I'm saying? Love creates a foundation for the Holy Spirit to show off. How did Jesus do most of his miracles in the scriptures? He saw, he was moved, and then he healed. When you go out into public, when you go out into this community, when you walk your neighborhood, Walk slowly. Look people in the eye. Take time. You'll never look into the eyes of somebody who doesn't matter to Jesus. Just over five years ago, we had some neighbors move in across the street to us. And it's like, wow, new fish. Because we've been in our neighborhood for 22 years. And we're just like loving people. We, we walk the neighborhood, pray for it, declare over it, decree that, that no drugs or immorality will be in our neighborhood. It's, 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 it's our neighborhood. It's our watch. So we just cry out for it for 22 years. New family moves in across the street. And I'm like, hey, how are you? But they didn't wave back. Hey. Listen, I'm, everyone loves me unless they tell me different. That's my attitude, right? I'm like, hey, what's up? They didn't wave back. I was like, do you not see my hand? I was just trying to be nice. Every day my wife and I would wave. They'd ignore us. Like, good grief. <laughs> hey, <laughs> just ignore us. We had our mailboxes like at the end of my driveway, both of ours. And, and so they'd come out like, oh. So I'd come out so we could meet at the mailbox. They'd see us coming. They'd turn around and go back in. 
I'd get their mail and take it to them. I'd say, hey, I just want to bless you guys. Thanks. And I, we had a big garden. I used to garden. I can't garden now, but, but I had a big garden. I would take vegetables and stuff from the garden. Just loved on them. I'd prophesy. I would speak prophetically over them. My daughter-in-law once was in the car. They lived two houses down from us before they just moved here just this year. And they lived two houses down from us, and we were riding a church together. My, my daughter-in-law, I waved, and of course, same thing. My daughter-in-law says, wow, I'm so sorry. I go, why? Don't be sorry. I said, I'd just speak over them that, man, they're going to be our best friends. I would prophesy. We're going to mint. They had three, three kids. They have three kids. See, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, love never fails. It never fails. It never fails. And so, again, listen, I'm not treating people the way they're treating me. I'm treating them the way God treated me. And if we're walking in the Spirit, we're walking in love, and love is unoffendable, and so it doesn't matter how we're treated. My love doesn't stop because they don't love me. My love continues because He loves me. See, I don't need people to love me to love them because my love is not contingent upon them. I am free to love people because I have Him. Because I have Him, I'm free to love you. If I don't have him, then I need you. But I don't need you because I have him. Because I have him, I'm free to love you. Does that make sense? See how warped we are in our culture? It's like we just need. No, we need him. And it frees us to love people. My identity is in him, man. He's everything. Because he's everything, then I'm free to give everything. I just kept prophesying over them. Three years ago, they lived there for about six years. Three years ago, the wife came over to our house. I'm on the phone in the front. I see her coming. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I got to get off the phone. And she came over. She said, Nick is in the hospital. That's her husband. Would you pray for him? Why would they come to us? See, if we acted like jerks, you think they would have came to us? that's the way they are, then just forget it. No, we kept loving them so they knew who to come to in the midst of adversity. And they came, would you pray for Nick? Absolutely. Went to the hospital, laid hands on him. God touched him. We mowed the lawn. We, we took their gros- bottom groceries. We gave them money, cared for them, loved them, m- ministered to their kids. All that to say, that was three years ago, now they're wonderful friends of ours. They watch our house when we're on the road. They mow our lawn. They take care of our yard. And they're like weeping, knowing that we're moving now in with our son, but we've become close friends. Love only does that. That's walking in the Spirit. I want to become love, don't you? Anyway. This is a great group tonight, man. This is the remnant. You are the special ones. That didn't sound real good, the special ones. <laughs> anyway. Hey, is there, is there anyone here tonight that says, I'm not sure I've ever had flesh crucified. Anyone? I'm not ever, I'm not ever sure that's, that ban has been severed. Is there any? I just want to make sure. Anyone? Anyone? Just says, I don't know if that ban's ever been severed. Anybody? Anybody here? Don't, no shame. Is that cool? Are we all, are we all good? 
You're not sure? Come up here. Oh, there's no shame in that. I love that. Yeah. Well, we can just pray that it's crucified. As simple as that. And it doesn't make you perfect, but it makes you perfectly capable of saying yes to Jesus from this night forward. That's what it does. It, it crucifies the flesh. It severs its pull. You'll sense the difference through the power of the Spirit. You really will. Guys, this is scriptural. This isn't a Nazarene doctrine. This is a biblical doctrine that we teach. Is there anyone else? Huh? I love that. I love that. Anyone else? I like to do non-emotional invitations because, because I think they should be. It's just like real, it's almost like I want to go get coffee and eat Twinkies and then come back and then pray because it's like we get, emo- I don't want to get emotional. I just want this to be cognitive. I want you to make a decision. Anyone else? Anyone else? Not sure. Not flesh. Flesh has been crucified. You're, you're, so what you're saying tonight, seriously, we're all in here walking in the Spirit. We're all walking in the Spirit, no flesh. Well, I wouldn't say that at the moment. Okay. Well, good, buddy. Good. Okay, just make a line here. Just make a line. I love this. <laughs> Holy Spirit's ministering tonight. Yeah. You were the first tonight. So I'm going to start with you. You know why? You get first fruit. You know what that means? That means you responded before anyone else. It isn't that God loves you more, but God's going to favor you with the assurance of what took place tonight in a very profound way. What's your name? Merrill. Merrill? Hmm. I love this. I love this. Father, oh, wow, I thank you for your word tonight. Gosh, your word is so profound and powerful. Your word, God, ministers with such accuracy and relevancy. God, I thank you for these precious people that stand across the front. They're standing here for one simple reason. They want to be absolutely certain flesh is crucified, right? Amen. And, and so I'm, just, I'm going to pray a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. And it's not a magical prayer or anything. It just helps drive a stake in the ground as to what you're doing. Ready? Here we go. Dear Jesus, I pray tonight. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would crucify flesh with its passion and lust. Make me free to walk fully in the Spirit from this night forward. Yeah, Father, I thank you so much for this prayer tonight. God, I thank you. Let me just pray for you. I thank you tonight. That because of what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago, you made it possible for the nature of sin to be annihilated. I thank you, God, for Merrill tonight. I thank you that this man 
And he's been staring at me all night, God. Now, either he thinks I'm weird or the Holy Spirit's been ministering to him. Could be a combination of both. But, but Father, tonight, will you, through the work of your Spirit, let him know tonight that those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. May Merrill know tonight, through the liberation and the power of your Holy Spirit, that he is now free to walk in the fullness of your spirit, that you're going to begin to use Merrill, God. You're going to begin to use him in the shop and where he goes and places that he journeys to and places, God, that, that he associates with people. All of this is going to begin to be transformed because you transformed his heart. Yes. You made him tonight free from the propensity of sin. <clears throat> He's not going to be drawn back into Egypt. Right. He's going to be drawn into righteousness. He's going to be drawn into the presence of Jesus. God, I pray the same for every man and every woman across here. This, this is what I pray, Father, that they would be free tonight to walk in the Spirit. I want to pray. Could, could all of us stand? Could all of us just stand? And, and could you... Put your hands on somebody's shoulders beside you. If you're with your spouse or something, that's fine. Just put your hands on their shoulders. Here's what I want to pray. I, I want to pray that, that we would be known for love. Amen? Amen. That, we would have, that we would have even a fresh baptism of love. And as I pray that tonight, as I pray that tonight, I'm, I'm checked in my spirit to say this. If you've been hurt, could you let that go tonight? If somebody has offended you, hurt you, mistreated you, if, if, if you've been mistreated as a child, if you've been mistreated as, if, if, like if your mind goes back to the way you were treated, maybe by someone in authority, or maybe, maybe your father mistreated you, maybe you were sexually mistreated. Well, I, here's the deal. Could we tonight let that go? Come on, amen? Could we let the pain of what was said and what was done could we let that go tonight and say, by the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to be liberated from all past pain. Is that okay? Come on, let's just begin to pray that. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, would you liberate, God, all your brothers and sisters, God, from every pain, every ache, God, of the past, God, all of us standing here, God, have been mistreated from time to time. God, people have said things. People have done things, God. We've been mistreated. All of us, God, have found, God, that temptation to just knock someone upside the head because we've been treated in a way that, God, that has been improper. We've been called something or we've been treated sometimes even by family members. Sometimes family members make it very difficult to walk in the Spirit because they say things and do things, God. I, I hear about family reunions being family nightmares. All of us probably have family members that we would rather not be around too often. I'm asking, God, that any pain, anything associated with, with any type of hurt would be Gone in the name of Jesus. Okay, I want to pray something right now. Listen to me. I sense this church has been through a lot of trauma. 
And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I break off the hurt and the trauma that this church has walked through. I break it off, God. I decree and declare that this is a new day for this church, God. Come on, I bless Mark and Darcy. I know, I know as a pastor, I've pastored my church for 21 years. Pastors sometimes have sleepless nights because they carry the pain. They carry, God, the the weight of a church that is being crippled by the work of darkness. Would you liberate, God, my brother and his precious wife from all of that nonsense, things that have been said, things that have been decreed and spoken about them, negative things, curses, hex, vexations, incantations, things that have been decreed in the heavens about this church and this ministry and these people and this pastor and his wife. We decree today, right now, in the name of Jesus and by the shed blood, it is null and void. And today, tonight, it renders no effect for the ongoing ministry of this church. We break off every curse in Jesus' name. God, we liberate this church and we decree and declare that this church, God, is triumphant in Christ, God. I thank you, God, for its people. I thank you, Father, for the fact that, God, these men and women, God, are going to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Come on, liberated in the Spirit. Liberated in the Spirit. Every one of these people tonight, I believe, are going to be sourced by the Spirit. Come on, let it be a new day. God, I mean... Give us opportunity tonight or tomorrow when we're at work or at Walmart or Myers or wherever we go, dry cleaners. Give us opportunity to release your presence onto somebody. Give us opportunity to love someone, to love the unlovable, to love the rascals, (laughs) the person in the cubicle that just gossips and complains all the time. Well, we want to love them too. Come on, God. And it's going to be challenging. You loved people that didn't love you. And I pray, God, that we would replicate that, that every one of us, God, would be the most love-filled, spirit-filled people on the planet. Let this church, God, become a place of transformation in and out of these walls. And then then just one final thing before I say amen. I pray this everywhere I go, but, but when I go into churches, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people cannot sleep through the night. They can't sleep through the night. The enemy disturbs their sleep. It's like they can't sleep. They wake up. Restless leg syndrome, whatever, all this nonsense. And, and so I'm going to pray right now, and you're going to come back tomorrow and say, hey, I slept through the night. Isn't that awesome? Seriously, I mean it. So Father, right now, release sleep. Come on. Release sleep. No more restless like syndrome. No more, God, like migraines, pain, God. When people go to bed, let them rest through the night and wake up feeling rested in the morning. Come on, God. I pray over every man, every woman in this place, God. I pray, God, extraordinary, supernatural rest in the spirit. An extraordinary energy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, you know what you guys prayed tonight? Listen, seriously. You prayed that all flesh would be crucified, and now you're freely compelled and led by the Spirit. You guys are wickedly dangerous. (laughs) Righteously dangerous. Amen. Anyway, I'm all done, man. Isn't that awesome? So.